0: This sermon was recorded at the Church of Christ, Northwest Arkansas. We are Christians seeking to worship God in spirit and in truth according to the New Testament. Come worship with us Sunday mornings at 1030 at 1708 Elm Springs Road in Springdale, Arkansas. I'd like to join in and welcoming everybody here this morning. We've got definitely a great crowd and I appreciate all your participation in the service this far. I appreciate your energy. Uh, It's definitely uplifting and encouraging to me. And thank you for the prayers on my behalf And it's my prayer that the things that we study this morning will be in accordance to God's Word. And also it will be useful to you and it will be beneficial as we all continue our Christian walk together. Last time I spoke last month, we started this series called The Godly Family. And last time we talked about the role of the husband and the father in that godly family. And this time we're going to continue that series. And we're going to look at the role of the wife and the mother, the, the woman of the house. If you remember the last time I talked, we looked at the godly family and a couple things that we want to look at is we want to look at biblical instruction that God has given us for how these roles should perform. Not what the world tells us what the, the role should perform, but we want to see like what does God expect us to do in these roles and that's what we're going to continue to do this morning. We're going to look at how we can build strong families and strong families come from strong individuals that they are all pouring in and they're, they're doing their part for that family to thrive. And that family, how collectively it can work together to be a light to the world that we've all been called to do. So in today we're going to look at the role of the wife and the mother. And specifically we're going to look at what are her responsibilities uh, in this godly family. And how does she contribute, how does she perform her role in building that strong family that's going to be a light to the world. The first thing we're going to look at is, as far as the wife and the mother, the woman of the house, is we're going to talk about the virtuous woman, which is listed in Proverbs chapter 31. If you want to turn there, I'll have the verses on the screen. So Proverbs chapter 31, we're going to read the virtuous woman. When I was putting this this lesson together, I kept going back to Proverbs 31. There's just so many references that that instructions for how a woman should perform her role. So we're going to start off with that, and then we're going to reference it several times uh, throughout this study. So Proverbs chapter 31, let's begin in verse 10 through 12. Which says, Who can find a virtuous woman? For her price is far above rubies. The heart of her husband does safely trust in her, so that he shall have no need of spoil. She will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. This is just the first few verses that we look at. This virtuous woman is trusted by her husband because she's earned that trust. She takes care of her husband. He knows that he can count on her, he knows that she's there when, when he needs her. And she does that by taking care of them. If we go down, let's look at verse 13 through 19. It says, She seeks wool and flax and worketh willingly with her hands. She is like a merchant ship. She brings her food from afar. She rises also while it is yet night and giveth meat to her household and a portion to her maidens. She considereth a field and buyeth it. And with the fruit of her hands she planted a vineyard. She girdeth her loins and strength and strengthen her arms. She perceiveth that her merchandise is good. Her candle goeth not out by night, and she layeth her hands to the spindle, and her hands hold the distaff. Let's also go down to 21 through 24. She is not afraid of the snow for her household, for all her household are clothed with scarlet. She maketh herself coverings of tapestry, and clothing is silk and purple. Her husband is known in the gates, When he sitteth among the elders of the land, she maketh fine linen, and selleth it, and delivereth girdles unto the merchants. There's several points that we we can look at through these several verses that we've talked about with the virtuous woman. But just a couple key points I want to talk about is when you look at the verses we just read, basically it sums up that the virtuous woman is a worker. She is a diligent worker both inside the home and outside the home if necessary that it is okay for a woman to work outside the home. And we have an example of this in Proverbs 31, that she goes out. We can look right here that in verse 24, she makes fine linens and sells it. So she's willing to go out. If we look back a little bit further, that she seeks wool and flax and works willingly with her hands. She makes sure her, her house is taken care of with food and with raiment and with coverings. So she is a worker. The virtuous woman is definitely a worker. In verse 20, it says she stretches out her hand to the poor. Yea, she reaches forth her hands to the needy. The virtuous woman is a very compassionate person. She looks for those that she can serve, both inside her house and outside her house. And she takes care of them. She gives to the needy. If we go down to verse 25 through 27, it says strength and honor are her clothing. And she shall rejoice in time to come. She openeth her mouth with wisdom. And in her tongue is the law of kindness. She looketh well to the ways of her household and eateth not the bread of idleness. So she, the virtuous woman is very considerate to maintain a good character. She realizes that a good character is really where her praise should come from, which we're about to read. So, so strength and honor her clothing. She'll rejoice in that. And, and finishing up in 28 through 31, says her children arise up and call her blessed. Her husband also. And he praiseth her. Many daughters have done virtuously, but thou excellest them all. Favor is deceitful, and beauty is vain. But a woman that feareth the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her the fruit of her hands, and let her own works praise her in the gates. This is where her praise will come from. Everything that we've just read about the virtuous woman she takes care of her family, she's a worker, she gives to the needy. She maintains a good character. This is where the real praise should come from. You know, many times today, women want to be praised out in the world for some sort of worldly gain or some sort of physical beauty. But this describes where real praise should come from. And the real praise should come from diligent working, taking care of your family, a good character, and doing the things that you should be doing as the virtuous woman. So there's plenty of other stuff that you could pull out of these verses in The Virtuous Woman, but we're going to continue on. And we're going to now look at, take the reference of The Virtuous Woman and how do we apply it to the wife duties of the home, and then we're going to talk about how do we apply it to the duties of the mother. So the duties of the wife, the first thing we want to look at is in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 14. It says, I will therefore that the younger women marry, bear children, guide the house, and give none occasion to the adversary to speak reproachfully. When you look up that phrase, guide the house, in the Thayer's Concordance, what it really means is to rule a household, and it means to manage family affairs. So it is part of the the role of a woman is to guide the house, is to take care of the home, the different things. So she has the freedom to make decisions of the realm and homemaking and take care of that. So this could include uh, feeding her family, just like we read about in The Virtuous Woman, clothing them, keeping a tidy home, being hospitable for guests, um, taking care of helping helping manage the finances. There's plenty of things that the, the woman should do for the home that's all wrapped up in this phrase to guide the home. They take care of the family affairs at the house. Now some may take this view that everything has to be done directly from the hands of the woman, and that's just not the case. When we look at the managed family affairs, they're responsible for making things, making sure things are overseen and making sure things are done. Some have taken this to an extreme view of for around uh, taking care of the house that they have to, to have every home, every meal is a home cooked meal. And every piece of clothing is made from the woman. And we know that that's not the case. She just has to make sure that the things are done. So she rules the house and she makes sure to, take, to manage the family affairs. If you look in Proverbs chapter 14, verse 1, it says, Every wise woman buildeth her house, but the foolish plucketh it down with her hands. When you look up that word, buildeth her house, what it really means is to build a house. It means to build it up, to take care of it. It also means to have children and to raise up those children. And it means to repair the house if anything is wrong or anything needs to be fixed up. So it says a wise woman will take care of her house and will grow that house. And that's the, one of the roles as, as the virtuous wife is to manage the house and to take care of what, what they need to take care of. Also, if we look over in Titus chapter 2, verse 1, and then skipping down to 4 and 5, in verse 1 it says, But speak thou the things which become sound doctrine. So the things we're talking about here are sound doctrine. Go down in verse 4. This is talking about the older women, that they may teach the younger women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste keepers at home good obedient to their own husbands that the word of god be not blasphemed so here's eight things here that the older women are supposed to teach the younger women of the of things that they need to do that's all wrapped up in the realm of sound doctrine this is what the younger women are supposed to do so let's dive into that a little bit so they're supposed to teach them to be sober when you look up that word sober it means to have a sound mind and to think clearly to love your husband, it, it literally means just that, love your husband. Same with love your children. It means to love your children. To be discreet means to be self-controlled, that you take care of yourself and you manage yourself appropriately. To be chaste means to be modest. A keeper of the home is just that, it's a good housekeeper. Good housekeeper. To be good is to be good. That's literally what the word means. To be obedient to their husband means to be under submission to their husband, and we'll talk about that in just a little bit. So here's eight things that the book of Titus tells us that are are in the realm of sound doctrine that the the older women are supposed to teach the younger women, and the younger women are supposed to abide by these things. So when you're abiding by these things as a woman of the house, you can rest assured that you're abiding in sound doctrine, and you're doing what God wants you to do. So the second thing that the wife must, be, must do in order to perform her role is to submit to her husband. Sometimes this is a touchy topic that people don't like to talk about, of a woman submitting to a man, but it's biblical. And we're going to read several verses. This is how God intends for the family to run, and, and it's a, there's reasons for that. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22 through 24, it says, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church and He's the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let wives be to their own husbands in everything. So the Bible clearly asserts the submissive role of a wife to her husband. She is supposed to be in submission to her husband. And by doing so, she's supposed to treat her husband with respect. If you look in Ephesians 5 verse 33, it says, Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself, and the wife see that she reverence or have respect for her husband. So this teaches that the wife must treat her husband with reverence and respect, just as Christians respect Christ. Another thing is that this submission, this submitting to your husband, uh, is to promote godliness. If we look over in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 1 through 6, it says, Likewise, you wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word they also may without the word be won by the conversation or the general conduct of the wives. While they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear, whose adorning, let it not be outward adorning of plating of the hair or wearing of gold or of putting on of apparel, but let it be the hidden man of the heart and that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is on the side of a great price." For after this manner in the old time the holy women also, who trusted in God, adorned themselves, being in subjection unto their own husband, even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters ye are, as long as you do well and are not afraid with any amazement. So what it's talking about here in Peter is if any woman has a husband who's an unbelieving husband or who's not doing what he needs to be doing, it's your daily conduct that has the power to turn him to follow after Christ and you should use that to do so it's a it's a way to pro, to promote godliness so that the husband can do that there are several things in here that remind us of the virtuous woman remember that the virtuous woman that she was praised for having a good character she was praised for taking care of her family not praised from a physical beauty because the physical beauty is vain and it reminds us here in first peter that says "Whose adorning let it not be the outward appearance but let it be the inward appearance with a meek and quiet heart and quiet spirit this is what women should strive for and for the men in the room this is what you should strive to find if you haven't found a spouse yet this is what you should strive to help your wife be if you have found a spouse so we want to be able to promote these things just as God promotes it if we look in 1st Peter chapter 5 and verse 5 it says likewise ye younger submit yourselves to the elder yea all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility, for God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. All of us are called to submission, whether it's a wife being a submission and submitting to her husband, or all of us Christians being in subject to one to another. This is not a bad thing. Submission's not a bad thing. Submission is humility, and it's what Christ wants us to do. So we've talked about two things so far, that the wife is to be a keeper of the home, to take care of her house. The wife is supposed to be in submission to her husband. The third thing we're going to look at is the wife must be encouraging. If we think about the wife being encouraging, let's remember what was the original purpose that the wife was created all the way back at the beginning. If we look in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, it says, And the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make help meet for him. The, the whole purpose, or the original purpose for a woman is that she would be a helpmeet for the man. Because we need it, because the men need the helpmeet, and God recognized that, and that's the role that the woman provides is to be that helpmeet. If we look in First Corinthians chapter 11, verse seven through nine, it says, "For a man indeed ought not to cover his head, for as much as he is the image of the glory of God, but the woman is the glory of the man. For the man is not of the woman, but the woman of the man. Neither was the man created for the woman." But the woman for the man. This adds that the man, that the woman was made for the man, and a good wife fills a need within her husband like nothing else can do. There is no other thing that can fulfill this need of being encouragement, being a helpmeet, and taking care of the husband the way that that they need to. And this was Eve's original purpose, and it's still the purpose of a wife today: is to be encouraging and to help the man in what he needs. So by doing this, that means not being contentious. In Proverbs chapter 21, verse 19, it says, It's better to dwell in the wilderness than with a contentious and angry woman. So sometimes women may get along the lines of being contentious or being angry. And the Bible tells us in Proverbs that from a man's perspective, it's better to to dwell out in the desert, in the wilderness where nobody is, than with a contentious woman. So we have to be careful of that. And we also see an example of this where that played out in the book of Judges chapter 16 when we see the relationship between Samson and Delilah. When we look at Samson that he, he was working with Delilah and he loved her deeply. In Judges chapter 16 verse 16 it says, And it came to pass when she, talking about Delilah, pressed him daily with her words and urged him so that his soul was vexed unto death. So the point that we're looking at between Samson and Delilah is that Delilah was just kept pushing and kept pushing and kept pushing. Specifically what she was pushing on is to try to figure out where Samson got his strength. And she really wanted to know where Samson got his strength. She was trying to deceive him so she could take that strength from him. Um, but she kept pushing him every day with her words so that his soul was vexed unto death. He was getting really tired of it. So part of the, the wife being encouraging is that women hold a great power for either her husband's benefit and being a helpmeet like Eve was or being the husband's destruction by having these contentious and angry words all the time. So it's your choice as women. Are you going to be an encouragement to your husband or are you going to be a contentious and angry woman? So, that is the few things that we're looking at that the wife must do and the roles of the wife. And this is not an all inclusive list, but these are just a few of the key points we're looking at. The next thing we're going to look at is the mother duties of the house and how they should be a mother. Well, one of the things that we need to look at first is that the mother is supposed to teach their children. If we look in Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 6, it says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. So think, this, this training implies a pre-planned and a determined effort. So we think about what you want to accomplish with your children, what you want to grow your children up into, and one phrase that I hear commonly at, at work or different things is to begin with the end in mind. So think about the end goal of what you want for your children. Hopefully, every mother in this room, and soon-to-be mother, you would think about an end goal for your children is you want them to love the Lord and follow Christ with all their heart. And if that is one of your end goals, then think about how you're going to train them in those steps. How you're going to get them to follow after Christ and do that. And this teaching happens constantly, teaching in the way that they need to be taught. If we look over in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 6 through 9, it says, And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, when thou walkest by thy way, when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and thou shalt be as frontlets between thine eyes, and thou shalt rot them upon the post of thy house and on thy gates. What it's talking about here in Deuteronomy, this is right after that they have been given commandments, the children of Israel, of how they should follow after God. And he's telling them, now you take these things and you teach them to your children in every opportunity that you've got. And we should be doing the same today as parents and mothers. You should be teaching your children with every opportunity you've got, teaching them to follow after God. When they're young, you teach them things that they can understand as a babe. As they continue to grow, you can teach them more intense and and, uh, stronger things as they learn and mature. But it's always about teaching, teaching them to follow after God. And this teaching, as you're doing it, as mothers are doing it for your children and you're performing your responsibility, this can have a great generational impact because then your children should be teaching their children and, and so on and so forth. And we have an example of that. In Second Timothy chapter 1, verse 5, it says, When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I'm persuaded in thee also. This is Paul writing to Timothy, and he's talking about Timothy's faith. And where did it say he got his faith from? Well, it started with his grandmother, Lois. Lois had to teach Eunice. So Eunice, Timothy's mother, would also have that unfeigned faith. And then she taught it to Timothy. And now Timothy, we can see, is a great example that he's going and he's teaching multiple people. So mothers, as a responsibility and as a privilege, To teach your children to love the Lord, you have an amazing opportunity to make a great impact for the kingdom. To teach your children and get them to love the Lord with all their heart and teach them in a way that they will also go teach other people in the world. And this is a very great impact that we have with generational faith. Even if, when we look at this verse specifically, husbands, fathers, grandfathers are not mentioned in this verse. I don't know the relationship that Timothy had with his father and with his grandfather. I don't know if they were believers and followers after Christ or not. And it doesn't give us that as an example. But the point is, even if they weren't, even if your husband is not taking care of his responsibility as a father and as a husband, that does not negate your responsibility as a mother to teach your children to love the Lord. It's your responsibility to take care of what you need to take care of. When I was looking at teaching children, I came across this quote, and it made a lot of sense to me. It says, children are great imitators, so give them something great to imitate. And we all know that to be true. From a very, very early age, children will imitate what they see. A lot of times we even say that children will do what you do. They may not do what you say. They will imitate people. So as mothers, We have a responsibility that you spend more time with your children than anyone else, especially early on. There's a bond between mother and children that is so deep that nobody can ever replace that bond between a mother and a child. You spend more time with them than anybody else. And you control what they see to imitate and others that they're around. You control the people that they're around that they're gonna imitate by the activities that you allow them to be a part of. So if your children are not acting in a way that you would have them to act, or if you're, if you're having a hard time training them, think about all the other people that you're allowing them to be around. If you want them to be good Christian children, get them around other good Christian children. If you want them to grow up into good Christian adults, make sure they're spending time with good Christian adults. And make sure that you're being that example that you would have them to follow you have the opportunity and the responsibility to allow who, who they get to imitate in their life. The other part of raising your children is disciplining your children. Now, one thing we have to remember for mothers disciplining your children is that foolishness is bound in the heart of the child, just as it talks about in Proverbs 22.15. It says, foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction shall drive it far from him. Children will naturally become disobedient, and they're going to push their boundaries. It's a natural process. So, mothers, it's your responsibility to use this rod of correction to drive out that foolishness from them, just as it talks about in Proverbs. That discipline is part of the natural process of raising children. This discipline also has to be motivated by love. In Proverbs 13, verse 24, it says, He that spareth the rod hateth his son, but he that loveth him chasteneth him betimes. The world today will tell you different. The world today will tell you if you discipline your children, you must not love them. God tells us if you discipline your children, it's because you love them. And that's where the discipline has to come from. It's a place of love that you're driving out the foolishness in their heart, that you're teaching them to follow after God with everything that they've got. Also if we look at Proverbs 13 or 23, verse 13 and 14, it says, "Withhold not correction for the child. for if thou beatest him with a rod, he shall not die. Thou shalt beat him with a rod and shall deliver his soul from death. Mothers, you do need to realize that your children's soul is in danger. We all face temptations. The, the devil is out there as a roaring lion, and he's looking to see whom he can devour. Your children are not immune to that. Their soul is at danger as well, and it is your responsibility to correct them and to guide them with discipline in a way that will resist the temptations of the devil so they won't die, and so that their soul will not be delivered to hell. So we have to remember this. Proverbs 19, verse 20, it says, Chasten thou son while there is hope, and let not, let not thy soul spare for his crying. Your kids are not going to like it when you go to discipline your children they're not gonna like it they're gonna cry they're gonna whine they're gonna throw fits and you have to be the bigger person as mothers and you have to have the longer term vision that you're doing it for their benefit and and a lot of times we hear parents say this hurts me a lot worse than it hurts you and i remember as a child i certainly didn't believe that now i do now i understand what that really means and for all of you parents out there that you've had to discipline your children you understand what that means too but we do it for their benefit because we love them. So remember, discipline your children. We also have to remember that if we let our child go to their own ways and we don't discipline them, we don't correct them, then there is a natural course that they will follow. Proverbs 29, verse 15, it says, "...the rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself bringeth his mother to shame. Correct thy son, and he shall give thee rest." Yea, he shall give delight unto thy soul. All of us have witnessed mothers who for one reason or another, they just refuse to discipline their children. And we can see the stress and we can see the heartache. and We can see the tiring nature of that woman that refuses to discipline her child. And God gives you the formula as mothers. If you want rest, if you want comfort, he tells you what you've got to do. A child left to himself, if you don't discipline them, it's going to bring you to shame as a mother. Or the other way, you can correct them, you can discipline them, and you'll have rest. And remember, this is not an overnight thing. If you haven't been disciplining your children, you haven't been correcting them to go the way that they need to go, and you start today, don't expect it to be perfect today. It's going to take time. It's train up a child in the way he should go. There's diligent effort in what that really looks like, so it's not going to happen overnight. However, it is a responsibility for a woman to teach her children and to discipline them appropriately. So these are a few things that we talk about with the roles of a mother. We can always go back to to Proverbs 31 and we can see what the mother does. She clothes her children. She takes care of them. She feeds them. She nourishes them. She trains them up. She raises them in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. There's plenty of things that we can look at. So a couple things to, to take away from this study is remember what we've studied today. We've studied about the virtuous woman, and I'm going to encourage you as mothers and as women and even as men to go study more about the virtuous woman. Women, look at it in a way of this is the model that you should follow. For the young men in the room, look at it as this is the type of woman that you should desire for your life and your companion as a help meet that we're looking for. And that will help your life go so much further and so much easier if you find that virtuous woman. Number two, guide the home. The woman is supposed to guide the home, take care of it. Make sure that the home is going good. Submit to your husband. We've already talked about that. Be encouraging to your husband. Help him. That's your role. And teach and discipline your children. Another thing we looked at is if you want to improve your qualities and if you want to become a better uh, woman of the house for a wife or a mother, spend more time with other godly women. I know I use this quote a lot, and I use it because I believe it and that is that you'll be the average of the five people that you spend the most time with. If you want to improve at being a wife and you want to improve at being a mother in God's eyes, spend more time with other godly women. Look to the women that are already doing it, that they're imitating in their life, and just be around them. Ask them questions. Find out what you can find from them. See how they make certain decisions. The number three, set spiritual goals. We talk a lot about goals and set yourself spiritual goals as a wife and as a mother. We talked about leading and teaching your children to begin with the end of mind. Set spiritual goals for your children. Set goals of how you want to teach your children, how you want to lead them so that they will love the Lord and follow Him. And finally, pray for wisdom, strength, and patience. And I recognize as a father that the role of a a mother can be very trying, and it can be very difficult, and it can be very hard. So pray for God to help you with that and lean upon others for help and understanding and encouragement that that's what we're here for as brothers and sisters in Christ you're not alone doing it as a mother leading your house that doesn't mean that everything has to fall on you that just means you're the responsible party and being the responsible party also means that it's up to you to go seek help when you need it so if you need help if you need encouragement then go find it you have plenty of examples in this room And you have plenty of examples all throughout the kingdom of God that they will be willing to help you. Just as it talked about in Titus chapter 2, that the older women will teach the younger women. There's plenty of examples for older women to teach the younger women of how they should should live under sound doctrine that we talked about. So today we looked at some of the things that a wife and a mother are responsible for. But one of the greatest blessings that we have is that Christian family that we can lean upon. So if there's any here this morning that you need help, you need prayers of the church, you'd like more guidance, you'd like to study a little bit more about some of these topics, we can help you with that. Also, if there's any here that you haven't given your life to Christ, then it's time to do so this morning. Give your life to Christ, follow after Him. He's the best example that we have, and He is the only one that is our true Lord and Savior that can forgive us of our sins. And you can take care of that this morning, so then you can go help other people as well. If there's one of either class, whether you'd like to give your life to Christ in baptism this morning, or you need the prayers of the church for whatever reason, come and have a seat on the front pew while we stand and sing the song that's been selected. We hope you enjoyed this teaching from God's Word. If there's anything we can do to help you in your walk with Christ, send us a message at facebook.com slash cfcnwa. To find more sermons, look for us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and like our Facebook page. Thanks for listening, and God bless.